Well, good morning. Welcome to Bay Presbyterian Church and our worship of the living God. It's good to have you here today. I think by the arrangement of the furniture, you're probably thinking to yourself, say, this is not exactly what it's usually like in here, and you would be right. So we are blessed today to have Marty with us, and uh, we'll get to that in a minute. In the meantime, I'd like to bring to your attention some announcements because it's starting to get busy around here. Um, first thing I'd like to say is that this Saturday, we are having pancakes and prayer. For you men, our men's fellowship meet at 8 o'clock Saturday morning in that room right there, and, uh, and you can eat pancakes until your stomach bursts. Uh, we've not had that yet, so you would be the first, but we can do that. And then, um, that's Saturday at 8, Tuesday, the 10th of March, Pregnancy Resource Center is having Alveda King, niece of Martin Luther King, is going to be our main speaker at our Breakfast of Champions. It'll be at the Hilton Hotel uh, the 10th of March at 8.30. If you're interested in that, you do need to register. I have some uh, flyers that you can get at the door, and, um, and we'll, you can get yourself registered that way. And then, uh, in two weeks, two weeks from today, the 27th of February, we are making some, uh, we're shuffling around some staff positions, and we want to bring you into the loop on that. And so we're going to have a luncheon in two weeks, uh, followed by an informational meeting of what we're going to be doing with the staff and how we're shuffling that around. And then, um, and then we'll, you'll be able to ask questions and interact with us and, so we can get everything out on the table. And uh, I think, Pastor, did I get everything? I think so. Was that? Oh, yeah, okay, good. Uh, on the 17th of March. It's a lot of stuff. Yeah. On the 17th of March, we're having Dr. Harry Reeder come in. He's going to talk to us about leadership letters, or leadership lessons from Gettysburg. He is an expert on things Civil War, and, uh, and he is going to be talking to us about some of the lessons we learn about leadership uh, from that conflict. Then the next night, we're going to have Faith in the Public Square. Dr. Reeder will be back right here, uh, as will Dr. Peter Lilbeck, and uh, we're going to be talking about what it is to be a Christian in this post-Christian era as it relates to the public arena. Now I think I've got it all. If it comes to me, I'll let you know. Okay, Gordon, just exactly why is this piano right in the middle of our room here? Well, I've been asking for it to be in the middle of the room for years now, and... <laughs> no, not really. I, I'm happy in my corner over there. <clears throat> But a special, very special uh, guest of ours here at Bay, and a very special guest of um, Carol and mine, uh, Marty Getz and Jennifer Getz are here. 
Uh, Marty is a psalmist. He, he sings the word of God. And uh, when the word of God is proclaimed, uh, we receive it through the power of the Holy Spirit, and we are changed. So I have a feeling we're going to be changed when we exit that door in an hour or so. So um, it's, I'm so glad that these, uh, th- these folks have decided that they would come and join us again this year. COVID sort of played havoc with us in the past years, uh, but uh, they're here today, and you will be blessed. On the strength of Gordon and Carol's good relationship with Marty and Jennifer, Marty and Jennifer have now become friends of all of ours. This is the third time they've been here, and we, we've uh, briefly spoken about maybe we can extend our continued friendship, and, and we'll see as the, as the years go on. We love having them here. Amen. We love their leading in worship. I wanted to also mention, Gordon, about Ryan. Uh, Ryan Young is in our sound booth. Ryan Young does not actually work here, uh, except for today he has joined the Bay Presbyterian team and the Marty and Jennifer team, and we appreciate Ryan uh, finding a way, finding his way clear to, to really help us out with the sound and uh, with our slides. So thank you for that, Ryan. We appreciate it. And so now let's take a few moments to prepare our hearts for worship. This is the call to worship. Psalm 145. I will exalt you, my God the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. They will speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty, and I will meditate on your wonderful works. They will tell of the power of your awesome works, and I will proclaim your good deeds. Let every creature praise the Lord. Our first hymn, would you stand with me? He is exalted, my God is exalted. The King is exalted on high. I will praise Him. He is exalted forever, exalted, and I will praise His name. He is the Lord. 
God and Heavenly Father, we have gathered here indeed to worship you. You are the Lamb of God, but you are the King of Kings. And so, God, we are here to sing your praises, to express to you that we hold you in high esteem and great awe. You are our ultimate, the object of our worship. And so, God, we pray that today you would be with us, in us, among us, by your Spirit, so that our, our worship might be in spirit. And in truth, and as we leave this place today, God, our prayer is that we would be able to say, today we have been in the presence of Almighty God. Hear us, O God, we make our prayer. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, he who lived and died and rose again, and who while on this earth taught his disciples to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you. Please be seated. Marty, come on up. 
How about Miss Gordon, Mr. Gordon, and Miss Carol? Aren't they wonderful? Man, he's a real maestro. He's a real maestro. I'm a sanctified saloon singer. That's how I got my start, playing in bars. And uh, here I am with all y'all. We're going to sing a little bit together. And uh, thank you, kids. Thank you, Pastor John, Miss Carrie. And uh, good to be with all y'all on Super Bowl Sunday. <laughs> hey, I don't have a dog in the fight. I'm a Cleveland Browns fan. And I don't have, I don't think I have a prophetic gift, but um, I, I do have one prophecy. The Lord Jesus will return before the Browns ever win a Super Bowl. You could take that to the bank. I think that's... You could stone me if it's wrong. I don't know. Gordon, you said you would rehearse this with that. No, <laughs> that's kidding. It's song number eight, and that was Hebrew, exactly as King David would have sung it had he been born in Cleveland, Ohio, and been a Browns fan. <laughs>
us with the praises of singers, we infants and babes.
something in that song, your worship leader would never do I hit a wrong note. But I've hit a lot of wrong notes in my life. And for 38 years, there's a woman who's had to live with me in all my cacophonous, accidental missing of chords and notes and off-key tunes. And yet she So just have that in your heart as you're listening to this wonderful message today. We all need a refuge. We've all done things that would send us right into the darkness. But the Lord has delivered us. Isn't that a great thing? And uh, my wife, and, and yet she's a tough gal. Her name is, you know, she's, I'm from Cleveland, but she was born in the Holy Land. She was, she was born in New York City. So she's the, Sanctifies Bloom's fan. And uh, 
One of the fellows that used to sit in for me when I would sing in the piano bars in New York City was a young man named Alan. He was a little Jewish guy with a nervous stomach. I'd pay him 25 bucks a night, and all the Maylocks he could drink, and he would sit in for me. And I was the main guy at this piano bar in Manhattan. But uh, years later, I noticed that Alan had written a little show that you might have heard of called The Little Mermaid. Maybe you've heard of it. And then he went on to write a bunch of other shows, Hercules and uh, Hunchback of Notre Dame and Aladdin, I think. No, he didn't write Aladdin. He wrote, some, he wrote a bunch of them. But all that, wait, did he write no, he didn't. Did he? I can't remember. Doesn't matter. His name's Alan Menken. <laughs> and he sat in for me, and now he works for, for the mouse, for you know, the guy who lives down here, the mouse. You know, he lives down here in Florida. But um, I've always thought one of the most beautiful songs that Alan wrote, that if he had not written it for the mouse, and had written it for the lamb, what would it sound like? So I put some different words to it, and I'm gonna dedicate it to Miss Joanne, who's, who sent me some beautiful socks to wear. <laughs> and uh, since it's kind of like the day before Valentine's Day, this is a little Valentine from the Lord to us, to let us know that we have to be like little children to inherit the kingdom of God. That's hard for somebody like me, very proud, very stubborn. But God has his way of reminding us that we're just his children, nothing more. Hail this oldest time, true as it can be. Calls me his friend, and to me he'll bend. Listen to my plea, oh, how I need to change thee in me increased. I, the one who erred, thou, the one who cared. Oh, how sweet and strange, finding you can't 
See the Holy One when all else has ceased. Merciful and kind, only He could find beauty in the playing a song out of the Disney songbook. You know, in the old days, I, Gordon knows this, you know, a lot of the old hymns that we sing, in the old, in, when they were written, a lot of them were written, I don't know, a lot of them, but some of them were written to like old salute tunes. Did you know, right, Rap, uh, Pastor Pat? I almost called you Rabbi Pat. But it's true, right? They would, they would take so songs that they were familiar with and they'd put the, uh, the spiritual words to them. So I guess I'm in the old hymn tradition. <laughs> but this one I'm going to sing for my friend uh, Ginger and Mr. Bing. This is from Psalm 130. It's one of the early songs I wrote, actually. Um, I've been the kind of a guy that's, I don't know, I just seem to mess up a lot. But it's nice to know when you read the Psalms that that's the way they were too. And this is a Psalm from the heart of the Psalmist.
comparing himself to one who was like on the walls of Jerusalem, who stood there watching, watching for the new moon, watching for the first stars, watching for enemies and for friends, standing on the walls of Jerusalem. And that's what we're called to do, isn't it? As we say, Lord, Maranatha, Baruch Habab, Hashem Adonai, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We are waiting for that blessed hope. Did I leave you? Lord, did you leave me, one of us, wandered away? But now I need you to answer my need, though I don't know what I'm asking. And I know even less what I expect you to say. But more than the watchman for the morning, more than the evening, for the dawning, I wait for you, I wait for you. Oh, by now it's quite clear, I don't know wrong from right and ungoodness, I'm making no
to tell you a little story for this special guest that you have blessed by letting us meet you on this day. I had a bar mitzvah when I was 13. The greatest bar mitzvah that you've ever seen. The temple on the corner of Mayfield and Lee was filled with my friends and my family. All of them proud as proud could be, with catering far as the eye could see, complete with a chopped liver statue of me. They asked me how I could go so wrong And why all of a sudden I'm singing this song They say, son, you're deserting your father's of old So why don't you just come back to the fold You're such a nice boy, or weren't you told That when you were born they broke the mold So what do you need with this stuff you've been sold But it's a than I have ever done when I believe what they said was true that Yeshua is God's only son well I've done many things and I don't do a few but there's one thing I do maybe a Jew born and yes through and through I'm a Jew born anew so hallelujah to Yeshua from a Jew who never knew ya come to die for a I tried to live that way, done the best that I can, but I've been worried since way back when, cause I've never done anything great since then. And though I could live till 110, and never have need of a fountain pen, I might never succeed in the sight of men, and they don't let you get bar mitzvah again. Christmas morn, 
Thank you, Pastor John. Marty, that, that, that reminded me of my daughter's wedding. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Married Jeff Rothblum. So, yeah, so that was, we had a really wonderful time. And I danced, too. Did you kick him up in the chairs? Yeah, they did. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Not me, though. <laughs> there weren't enough people there for that. Marty, this is a very generous uh, congregation. And I know that they're uh, anxious to be able to participate in the building of the church of Amen. our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So I'm going to ask the ushers to come forward, and then uh, we're going to take a collection. And then, uh, Marty, if you wouldn't mind helping us out by playing through this. Would you bow for prayer with me? Our great God and Heavenly Father, we thank you for the blessings that we receive from your hand every day. Most of the time, God, they go unnoticed. Uh, and God, forgive us for that. But now we, we thank you that we have an opportunity towards giving towards the larger cause of your kingdom. And we pray that you would bless these gifts that will be given today, that you would multiply them and use them for the building of your church here in Southwest Florida to the ends of the earth. We make our prayer in the name of Yeshua, our strong Savior. Amen. Well, I want to go apologize to Patrick, Pastor Patrick. I went over a little over. I'm going to sing this little request before you come up, brother. Here I am, waiting once again on my knees, listening. I think toward you, 
our loving design to bring you through and give to you a future and love. Therefore, your peace, therefore, your good. The plans I have for you. This is God's promise to all y'all. I know the plans I have for you. You're always on my mind. And all the thoughts I think toward you are lovingly designed to bring you through and give to you a future and a hope. Therefore, your Sometimes I need you to remind me, and every time you do, you say, Seek me, you will find me. I know the plans I have for you. You bring us through. He gives to you a future and a hope. Therefore, your peace, therefore, your good. The plans I have Thank you, sir, so much. I mentioned at the early service, you mentioned the Hollywood Presbyterian Church. I've never been to Hollywood, <laughs> except Florida. And Dr. Ogilvie, who was pastor there, ended up being chaplain to the United States Senate. And when Kathy and I visited there in 1999, when our friend Gordon Reed opened the Senate with prayer and we came down from the gallery and were on the main floor, Dr. Ogilvie came over and spoke to us just like he had known us for years and invited us down to the Senate cafeteria to eat breakfast with the folks who were down there. Uh, you talk about me feeling like a mule in the Kentucky Derby. There we were. 
And uh, I'll always, always be grateful to Dr. Ogilvy for doing that. Such a kind and gracious man. Well, we, you should run for Senate. We could use you. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that, but no. If, uh, if nominated, I will not. Oh, never mind. I won't get into that. <clears throat> what, a, what a blessing. Wow. I've been hearing about Marty Getz, and I understand now why. But in the meantime, I don't want to keep you here all afternoon. I've got just a few minutes worth of message to deliver to you. And if you're visiting with us today, I just want you to understand that what we're doing here at Bay Church right now is working our way through the book of Joshua. And so uh, we've come today to chapters 20 and 21. So in the next five to 10 minutes, I'm going to give you two whole chapters in Joshua as we have come to this place. And uh, by the way, Julia, it is wonderful to see you. We are so glad to have you with us today and your family. I was just absolutely delighted when I looked up and saw you all come through the door. It's so great to see you. But let's, uh, let's give our attention to God's Word. You've got it printed out there in your, uh, your bulletin. Also, perhaps it may be on the screen, but nevertheless, Joshua chapter 20, and then we're going to read some selected verses. First of all, verses 1 through 6. Remember, this is the Word of God. Then the Lord said to Joshua, say to the people of Israel, appoint the cities of refuge of which I spoke to you through Moses, that the manslayer who strikes any person without intent or unknowingly may flee there. They shall be for you a refuge from the avenger of blood. He shall flee to one of these cities and shall stand at the entrance of the gate of the city and explain his case to the elders of that city. Then they shall take him into the city and give him a place, and he shall remain with them. And if the avenger of blood pursues him, they shall not give up the manslayer into his hand, because he struck his neighbor unknowingly and did not hate him in the past. And he shall remain in that city until he has stood before the congregation for judgment, until the death of him who is the high priest at the time. Then the manslayer may return to his own town and his own home to the town from which he fled." And then skipping down to chapter 21, verses 1 and 2. Then the heads of the fathers' houses of the Levites came to Eleazar the priest and to Joshua the son of Nun and to the heads of the fathers' houses of the tribes of the people of Israel. And they said to them at Shiloh in the land of Canaan, the Lord commanded through Moses that we be given cities to dwell in along with their pasture lands for our livestock. And then finally, at the end of the chapter, verses 43 to 45, thus the Lord gave to Israel all the land that he swore to give to their fathers, and they took possession of it, and they settled there. And the Lord gave them rest on every side, just as he had sworn to their fathers. Not one of all their enemies had withstood them, for the Lord had given all their enemies into their hands. Not one word of all the good promises that the Lord had made to the house of Israel had failed. All came to pass. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord stands forever. This is a word which by the gospel is preached to you. Amen. And so I read in an article this past week by the Associated Press that approximately 31 and a half million Americans will wager approximately $7.6 billion on the Super Bowl. Now, I expect if Cincinnati wins today that our offering is going to look really good next week. But on the other hand, it tells me that a lot of people are looking to the wrong place to find satisfaction and happiness. God provides a place for all who come to the Lord Jesus Christ, and it's not characterized in terms of 
money. You can't measure it by wealth, by a number with a dollar sign behind it. We have a place in the Lord Jesus. If you uh, ever travel, by the way, our guests are here living at the moment outside of Nashville, Tennessee. My grandmother was born there in 1906 in downtown Nashville. On, uh, well, she lived the Mummer Street and Broadway and several places. But I think about Tennessee, and a lot of people think about the Great Smoky Mountains. There is up there in that part of the woods the most visited national park in the United States, the Great Smoky Mountains National Park. But I want you to know that the majority of that park is actually in North Carolina, contrary to what the Chambers of Commerce in Tennessee will tell you. And you also need to know when you visit that place that it's there, not just because the states of North Carolina and Tennessee gifted it to the federal government, but because families were displaced. Much of that land was owned and farmed by families, and it was condemned by the government. They had to accept whatever money they could get, and then they were moved off of there. There were some that chose to stay, given the circumstances, and there were two sisters in particular on the Tennessee side who were being told by the government agents from the Department of the Interior that they could, in fact, stay on the land. And one of the sisters asked, how long do we get to stay? And the man said, well, you can stay on it as long as you live. And the lady said, well, that's just about as long as we'll need it. (laughs) A place. We read in the scriptures about a place for those who have committed what would have been a crime punishable by death. When someone killed another person accidentally, not because they intended to, not because it was premeditated murder, but using an example from Scripture to going out to the woods to cut wood, and in the process of chopping, the axe head flies off the handle, strikes the other individual, and kills him. That's not murder. It is killing, though, nevertheless. And in a circumstance like that, Members of the deceased's family normally would take it upon themselves to avenge the death of that individual by taking the life of the one who killed him. After all, in Genesis chapter 9, verse 6, we read how that if, if a man's blood is shed, it shall be that man's own blood that will be required of him, for God has created man in his image. And so, what happens in those cases? Well, the Lord established cities of refuge, six of them placed fairly equally in distance on either side of the Jordan River so that they could be easily accessed, so that in those cases, an individual might flee to those cities and not have to face being killed by that family member. The Lord established these six cities of refuge to which that man slayer could flee. And what we learn from this, as uh, Francis Schaeffer and others have pointed out, is that, first of all, the establishment of these cities established the value of human life, man made in God's image. So even if a life was taken accidentally, it still was a life taken, a life that was to be valued, and the individual that took it had to be dealt with. But he could go, and he could plead his case. Now, it's not just like he could show up there and claim to have done it accidentally. I mean, after all, it could have been premeditated murder and They flee to a city of refuge and say, oh, no, 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 it was an accident. It was an accident. No, the case had to be heard. The evidence had to be presented. There was something of a trial there. But nevertheless, if it was by accident, the man could have a safe place to stay. But he would have to stay there, at least until the high priest died. 
And so on the one hand, it gave him a place to go so that he would not himself be killed, but on the other hand, because of the value of life, he would have to remain in that area. It is a way of showing us that there is a universal code of justice. Otherwise, our laws are just arbitrary, right? And that's what a lot of people think that we have. And they think our laws ought to be arbitrary. After all, what is right to me may not be right to you, and what's wrong for you may not be wrong for me, and all of that. But there is a universal justice because God is the one who has given us his law, which is transcendent. And therefore, we know that justice is rooted in his own character. God's character is the only proper foundation for any such law. Well, a lot can be said about that, but we simply want to establish the point and understand how significant and important that it is. And then we deal with the Levites, those who were designated to be priests, those who were descendants of Levi, who had his inheritance or his portion of land removed because once upon a time Levi did what was displeasing in God's eyes. We've talked about that before. And so uh, Levi would not be apportioned an allotment of land like the other tribes. And yet, Levi's descendants were to have a place. Forty-eight cities for the Levites among the other tribes were set aside for them. So what this meant is that instead of the Levites being in one location within the promised land, they would be scattered throughout it. And so everyone could benefit from having... uh, a priest living in proximity. Now, I joked in the first service, in our day, uh, it was noted in a survey not too many years ago that among the people that folks didn't want living near them were pastors. Now, you might think it'd be a lawyer, a used car salesman, or something like that, but, but these folks these folks said, of all the people living next to them, they didn't, they didn't want preachers. And of course, that's been broadened anymore to a Bible-believing Christian. Nobody wants one of those living next door to them. Even so, it was a blessing for the Israelites to have the Levites scattered among them so that they would have this ministry of the priesthood uh, available to them, that they would know something of God's word and law because of these people. We also know that God turned what was originally a curse into a blessing, that even though Levi had his portion of land removed from him, yet by scattering the Levites throughout the land, they were able to benefit from that as they had not only a place to live but pasture to occupy, but to be a blessing among the people. And then finally, we know from the Scriptures itself that while the Levites had no portion of land, the priesthood of the Lord was their heritage. Listen, you may not have great riches to call your own in this life, but that doesn't matter. We have a place. We have a heavenly home. We have all the riches of heaven available to us because Christ himself has made the purchase for us. And that's why we rejoice today. That's why all these wonderful songs. I mean, think of all the things that you could be doing today. How great is it to be in a place like this, listening to someone so talented who is using that talent to worship the Lord and lead all of us to do it. As, uh, as Marty pointed out in the first service, we're, you know, we're inundated with all the stuff from news commentators, the media, just the world in general. What a mess. What should we do? We're doing it. Worship the Lord. He's worthy. Jesus is coming back. It might even be after the Cleveland Browns win the Super Bowl. (laughs) 
Wouldn't that demonstrate that there is a God in heaven? But he is coming back. In the meantime, what do we do? We worship him because he is to be exalted above all. And so we give him praise. And finally, just by way of observation, as we think of these cities of refuge, lessons that we can learn. First of all, we know from Scripture that the ways to these cities of refuge were to be clearly marked. Anyone who found himself in the circumstance of needing to flee there could easily find them. The way was marked, and they even went out of the way to build bridges over ravines and to be able to, uh, to, to make it so that people could easily access those places. Think about how the Lord Jesus has made himself available to us. The gospel is being preached everywhere among all people. Listen, and he beckons us to come to him. The way is clearly marked. And the gates of these cities were always unlocked. That wasn't normally the case. Normally they they battened things down when darkness came because marauding bands might be making their way through through the land. But the gates of these cities were always to be open. And we think about how our refuge always is open to us. You can call out to the Lord. It doesn't matter if it's three in the morning or... 10 after 12. Wow, how did that happen? I think somebody moved that clock up. It doesn't matter. The way is always open. And these cities were for people of all races. Not just for the Jews, but any who lived there could have access to this place of refuge when the time came. And then finally, just a reminder, there's no other hope. Anywhere else meant being pursued by the avenger of blood and being killed. Only in the places of refuge was there safety and protection. And so we are reminded that the Lord Jesus Christ himself says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes unto the Father except by me. But oh, what a refuge we have in Christ Jesus because God keeps his promises. And when he promises us rescue in Jesus, you can be assured That rescue is ours. Heavenly Father, we give you praise and we thank you. Oh, what a wondrous day. As we have heard songs so beautifully sung, as we all have been able to benefit from talent that you have granted, we thank you, O Lord, for your word that you have so freely given, reminding us of the Lord Jesus Christ, your only Son, who has been given for our sakes, that we might have an inheritance and a place that no one can ever take from us. And so we praise you and thank you for our Lord Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Patrick, Miss Kathy, Pastor John, Miss Carrie, Gordon, Miss Carol, all y'all. I'm just going to lead you in a benediction. I might have you stand up on the last line. And uh, by the way, your mouth to God's ears about the Cleveland Browns. That was really good. That was good. That was a good word. Now that was a great word for Brother Patrick. That was wonderful. Hmm. By the way, Alan Menken did write a Latin. I just wanted to tell you that. And second of all, If you ever are bored on a Tuesday night or a Friday night, 7 o'clock Central, my wife and I uh, do something called House of Worship, and we just sit at a piano 
put on a camera and on YouTube and Facebook and Instagram, we do like an hour of just singing. So if you ever just sitting in your house and you're just, you know, you just got nothing to do or you're bored or you want to worship or whatever it is, uh, you know, uh, then you can tune in to us. House of Worship Tuesday and Friday. And sometimes my daughter, our one and only daughter, she joins us. And my daughter uh, is also a musician. Her name is Misha Getzhoit. And she wrote a beautiful rendition of you know, in this day that, uh, that uh, Pastor Patrick was talking about, the priests, you know, the Levites and the priests, there was a priestly blessing. They called it a priestly blessing. It was a blessing of, that God gave to Moses to give to Aaron to give to the people of Israel. And when he said, when you pray this prayer over them, you are quite literally putting my name on my people. So receive it that way, not from me, but from him. Numbers 6, 24 through 26, the Aaronic benediction or the priestly blessing in this city of refuge called Bay Presbyterian. May the Lord, may the Lord bless and keep you. May his grace and his face shine upon you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And give you peace. <laughs>
you go, shalom. Don't lose too much money today. And God willing, we'll see you again. Shalom. Thank you for having us. And thanks again to Ryan back there. Let's thank Ryan again for the great job he did. Why not? You shall go out with joy and be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break before you. There'll be shouts of joy and all the trees of the field will clap, will clap their hands. You shall go out with joy and be led forth. Say you, say you.